Okay, good morning everyone. Good to see you. If you've got a Bible, could you go to Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6, we'll get there in just a moment. Okay, what we've been doing uh, from the outset of 2020 as a church, we felt God speak to us at sort of the end of last year, and we've been prompted by this question, this thing that the um, disciples said to Jesus, which was to teach us to pray. And we've been looking at that as a church. How do we learn to pray? What does that mean for us? And so we've taken every week since we began the kind of year to look at this question. And at the outset, um, we've done two things. We've got our sermon series now, but we've also been running the prayer course. The prayer course is something we've been running in our small groups, which have been going on week by week where we've got together, we've had some food, we've watched the video as part of the course, and then we've had some time sort of discussing it, and then got into praying together. And we've had a brilliant time, we've looked at a whole bunch of things, why pray, we've looked at adoration, petition, intercession, unanswered prayer, contemplation, and I think this week is about listening to God and kind of in prayer and hearing Him speak to us. So that's what we're going, we're almost done on the course, and in between that we've been running um, our church at prayer prayer meetings where we've been gathered as a family together to pray. So we've been doing that. We've also got our sermon series. And what we've done up till this point is we've been in Luke chapter 11 looking at the Lord's Prayer. Jesus' response to his disciples when they said, teach us to pray, was to teach them what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. And we've gone through it line by line all the way. Father, hallowed be your name, kingdom come, asking for bread, daily bread, asking for forgiveness. And then being led not into temptation. And we've gone through all of those. If you've missed any of them, please, you can catch up online. Just go on our website. And then last week, we looked at the parable that came beyond the Lord's Prayer, which Jeremy looked at about persistence in prayer and keeping going when we pray. It's not something we just kind of do one-off. We have to keep going. We have to keep seeking, knowing God is good and wants good for us, and we are to go after him. So that's what we've been doing. As well as that, we've been offering you tips on prayer about things um, that you could be um, trying out in your own personal life to help you fuel the whole area of prayer. We've talked about reading books on prayer. We've talked about praying with others. We've talked about having a place and a plan to pray, uh, getting informed about the church around the world so you can pray intelligently for what God is doing in other nations. We've talked about writing your prayers down to help you pray. Uh, We've talked about reading the prayers of others, old prayers of saints gone by that you could read to help fuel your own times of worship and prayer. We talked last week about communion with God, remembering that actually it's about a relationship and that's what we should be focusing on. And this week, number eight, what I'm going to say, our tip from, my tip for you today is try fasting. Try fasting. Man, that was worth coming for, wasn't it? That was worth coming for. And what we're going to be looking at today is this whole area. So if you've got questions about that, that is what I'm going to, over the next 25 minutes, tell you all about. For those of you who've just been into the goldfish bowl and grabbed snacks to help you get through the sermon, put them down. It's about fasting, this sermon. You cannot be sitting there munching if we're going to be talking about fasting. It just doesn't work like that. So let's talk about what this is. If you've got your Bible and we went to Matthew chapter 6, I want to just pick out a few verses for you. Matthew chapter 6 comes within the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus speaking to his disciples and crowds gather to sort of listen in and he teaches them. It begins in Matthew chapter 5 and he speaks about how we should live. If you read it, he talks about our witness to the world around. He talks about areas like murder and adultery and he redefines them from the law, which we covered a bit last 
uh, before Christmas in the Ten Commandments series and looked at that. And then he gets into chapter 6. And he says this, fascinating. He says in the beginning of chapter 6, verse 2, he says, When you give. And then he talks about giving. He talks about financial giving, which we just talked about earlier, about how as believers we should be giving of the finances and the wealth that God's given us. We should be giving it to serve God's kingdom, his purposes, advance of the gospel, uh, needs of the poor, etc., etc. When you give, and the implication of when you give is that you will do it. Because when if I say to you, when you do that, there's an implication that you're going to do it at some point, not if, when. And then Jesus goes on. Go scan forward a few verses, I think it's verse 5. He says, when you pray. The implication is that you will be a praying people if you're a follower of Jesus. He then gives a verse of the Lord's Prayer. We looked at the one in Luke, but it's also here in Matthew as well. And then if you scan down a few more verses, you get to verse 16. And it says, when you fast. Oh no. Oh my goodness. You're saying you not only want money and you want me to pray, which can be hard enough. You want me to fast as well? And the response of Jesus is, when you fast. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, you, by, by what Jesus said there, it should be part of your life is giving financially to the local church you're a part of. If it's here, it's here. If it's somewhere else, it's somewhere else. Prayer should be part of your life. And we spent weeks looking at what that means. And now Jesus also says straight after, in the same breath really, prayer fast, when you fast. And the followers of Jesus should be giving, praying, and fasting. If we go to Matthew chapter 9, I'll read a couple of verses there. But starting at verse 14, Jesus said this to his, his followers. And some people came and asked him. He said, then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we, disciples of John, and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Ah. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. What's Jesus saying? He's referring to himself as the bridegroom. The church is often referred to as the bride of Christ. Jesus is the bridegroom, the husband of the church. He's the one who loved the church, died for the church, gave himself up for it. And he says, when the bridegroom is taken, when I'm taken, then they're going to fast. When you're with Jesus, there was time for feasting. You read the gospel accounts, Jesus is always feasting. There's meals. He gets accused of all sorts of things, being a glutton and a drunkard. He's with his followers. He said, but there's a time coming when the bridegroom is taken, referring to his death, his resurrection and subsequent ascension, when the bridegroom is taken from them, then they will fast. And so as followers of Jesus, our responsibility before him, one of the things that we are to do is to fast. So let's ask ourselves a couple of questions. What is Christian fasting? Now, fasting is not prayer. So why do we deal with it in a topic on prayer? The reason for that is they are very closely associated. We've just seen Jesus did it in the same breath. He says prayer, and then it's like, when you pray, when you fast. There's obviously some kind of connection. If we read our Bible as a whole and look at it, we find time and time again, the practice of fasting is linked to prayer. Often referred, you know, you often hear prayer and fasting. They're closely put together. We follow the lives of David in the Old Testament. King David, he fasted and prayed. Samuel, Daniel, Jonah, prophets, 
from the Old Testament also, there were times of fasting and prayer in their ministries. When they fasted, they prayed. Even in the New Testament, we find uh, Anna at the temple fasting and praying day and night um, for the coming of the Lord. We find later Saul, who becomes the Apostle Paul, and his friend Barnabas fasting and praying before going out and preaching the gospel and doing what they do. Jesus taught his followers to fast as if prayer wasn't difficult enough. You're going to fast as well. So what is fasting? Christian fasting is going without food for a limited time for the sake of seeking God and his glory. Fasting is going without food for a limited time for the sake of seeking God and his glory. Now this can be done by individuals, it can be done by groups we see in the Bible, churches, it can be done on many levels, but that in essence is what it is. We actually, when you say it like that, can sound very simple, but actually it can be extremely difficult. Two things about Christian fasting. First one, it is a test. Fasting tests what we desire most. It, dete- it tests the desires of our hearts. Food is basic. Food is something that we need daily. It is something that is so kind of integral to life that Jesus himself said, when you pray, ask daily for bread, food. He recognizes you need this stuff and you need it every day and so you, you are to pray for it. That's how important. I put it in my prayer that you should pray for provision of food on a daily basis that you are fed. That's what it is. And food is a wonderful gift from God. It has so many forms and so many varieties. And particularly here in the affluent West, we see it laid out. We can have food in abundance. We have food from around the world that kind of comes to us that we can go into supermarkets and they are stocked full of food. Maybe not so much now with the coronavirus, but generally, generally, <laughs> generally we have lots of food. At Christmas time, and you go in the bookstore, what are the sort of top-selling books at Christmas? They're usually cookbooks and celebrity chefs saying, these are the things you can try. These are the new cool recipes, which is wonderful. It's taking God's gifts and using it in so many ways. We see in the Bible over and over again how feasting and celebration is part of God's kind of a mandate for his people. That's what they should do. You should enjoy what I've given you, God said. So there are times of celebration and feasts, even in the new heavens and the new earth. What's there going to be? There's going to be a feast where all the people of God come together and enjoy the goodness of God. And so we have this wonderful gift God's given us, and particularly 21st century West, we have it in abundance and variety never before known in human history what we have available to us now. However, that could be very dangerous because we can enjoy it, we can consume it, and we can make a good thing a God thing. We can be so enamored with the gift that we forget the giver. We forget the one who provided it all for us. And so when we fast, we take our hunger for food and our desire for food and we replace it with hunger and desire for God. 
on reflecting this, I was just thinking about my day because I knew I was coming, I was conscious, and I suddenly, I came, I came aware of how much food dominates my day. And it's there, you get up, and you're kind of getting ready, and one of your first thoughts is, well, what's for breakfast? What am I going to eat? And then even throughout the day, you have your lunch and your dinner, but then you're snacking and food is just available. If you're at home, it's just there in the cupboards. It's dangerous opening the fridge sometimes because it's just there. Milk from a tea and, oh, I'll have a, you know, in your out. And you go down the high street, there are places selling food in all its forms, coffee shops and cafes and all sorts of things, supermarkets selling food. It's literally everywhere. It dominates us. But when we fast, we basically say, God, your gift of food is amazing but you're better. When we choose to give that up, we say, God, that's really good, but you are better. We are willingly taking a gift from you and choosing to put our focus on the giver when we fast. We are saying that, Lord, nothing in this life that we can consume compares to knowing you. We're saying, God, you are more essential to life than even food. We're saying that food is temporary and has no lasting value because once you've had one meal, you need another one. But God, you are of eternal value. We're saying, God, your glory, your renown, knowing you is better than even the finest meal that can be created. We're saying, Lord, if we lose food, we will naturally die. But if we lose you, we will eternally die. And so that is what we're after in fasting. It attack, fasting attacks the idols in our life of comfort, pleasure, and self-sufficiency, which food represents. If we've got them, that's why people are stockpiling food with this virus. They want to make sure they're okay if something bad hits this nation. That's what it represents. And we're saying with fasting, we're saying, God, you are better, you are higher, you are greater. As good as food is, the Apostle Paul actually uses it as an image of how the world kind of focuses on the temporary and the now and ignores the giver. He describes those who rebel against God as, he says, their God is their stomach. That's what their focus is. That's what food can do. As good as it is, it can, it can just consume you and that's, that's all I'm about rather than remembering who God is. And so as we fast, we are doing battle with our own selfish desires, our flesh that would want to consume everything for ourselves and ignore God and everything he is and everything he is about. So fasting is a test for us, testing our priorities, testing our uh, character. It's also a discipline, like giving, like Pray, praying like Bible reading and serving and personal holiness, holiness, it is a discipline that we can grow in. We all start somewhere. We all start somewhere in our Christian walk, different ages, different times, with different backgrounds. But the call of God is to be a disciple, is to grow as a follower of Jesus. And we can grow in all areas. We can grow in our knowledge, we can grow in our understanding, but we can also grow in the practices we put in our life. And fasting is just one of those. And so as a follower of Jesus, it is a lifelong pursuit. It is something we start now and we continue until he comes again or we cause us home to glory.
It's what we do. It is something that can be very difficult. Jesus never promised us an easy life. He said, in the world, you will have troubles. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So it's not easy, but it's something we are to persevere in. It's something we can grow and develop. And even just reflecting on my own life, I, I reflected back and I think I've grown in prayer and I've grown in reading my Bible and I've grown in my knowledge of God and a whole bunch of other things. Actually, fasting should be one of those things that I can say I have grown in in the course of my Christian walk. It's something I should reflect back when we get to the end of 2020 and say, how have I grown in that area? When I do a spiritual audit of the year, like, how have I grown in this particular area? So it is a test and a discipline for us as the people of God. What is the purpose of fasting? What is the purpose of fasting? Why, why should we do it? Other than Jesus saying, do it, why else should we do it? Well, first thing we'd say is it can be done for the wrong reasons. Jesus very clearly um, addressed that in Matthew 6. So it's not dieting. That's something else. We don't fast because, you know, actually I think I need to lose a bit of weight. I'll do a day of fasting or something. Although it can have health benefits, but we do not do it for purely for those health benefits. I read more and more that actually some of these sometimes intermittent fasting can be good for you, which I just makes me smile that we think, well, if, God, if it can be good for you, that's probably because God designed us that way as part of his great plan for man. So, but Jesus says we don't fast um, to look impressive either. We don't do it to make other people think we look holy because Jesus says, and when you fast, Matthew 16, uh, Matthew 6, 16, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. That is so hard when you are fasting not to look gloomy. Do you, you know what the phrase hangry means? Angry because you're hungry, hangry, yeah, Oof. yeah. But they disfigure their faces and their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, says it again there, anoint your head, wash your faces, basically look normal, present yourself that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your Father who is in secret and your Father who is in secret will reward you. So it can be done for outward praise, outward reward, which was obviously a problem in his day. Back in that day, um, a pious Jew would have fasted on a Monday and a Thursday, scholars tell us. And so they would have made a big thing of this. We are more holy than you because we are fasting this day. And they would have presented it as like, oh, aren't we high, pious, aren't we holy, aren't we a bit more? We're obviously a top-level follower and you are a minor one if you're not. That is not the purpose of it. The ultimate goal of fasting is Jesus. The ultimate goal of fasting is Jesus. Matthew 9, that I read, verse 15, is all about the bridegroom. It's all about the bridegroom. As we, as the bride of Christ, the church, if you follow Jesus, you're part of his church, the great bride of Christ, spanning the nations, spanning the centuries into eternity. Our focus, we should be enamored with our bridegroom, who is Jesus. On a wedding day with a bride and a bridegroom, the bride's eye should only be for her husband. That's just how it should be. And the same as us as a church, that's where our eyes should be on him and him alone. So as we practice these disciplines, as we build them into our life, Jesus is the one we're after. Jesus is the one we're going for. Jesus is the one who should be our focus and consuming us. He's the one we worship. He's the one who saved us. He's the one who's turned our life around. And so as we kind of build this into life and what we can do with it, he's the one ultimately that we are after. 
And we're saying, Jesus, you are more than food. You are better than food. You are greater than food. If food was, was going to be taken from me and I still got you, I am better off in life. And that's what we do when we fast. It's all about him. Now, if we look through our Bibles, there are other things that help us kind of flesh this out to make us a fuller understanding of, our, of why we fast and what our goal is. We're after Jesus. And one of the things, I've got a list here, we'll go through a few of them. First one is that we humble ourselves before Jesus when we fast. When we humble ourselves before Jesus, we recognize that actually we need him for life. And by foregoing food, which is the most basic thing we need, we're saying, actually, God, you are God. You are the one above us. You are the one higher than us. If we go back into the Old Testament, we see Deuteronomy chapter 8. Moses warned the people of God. He says, you've been slaves in Egypt. You've been living in the wilderness, which is horrible. You're about to go into the promised land, a land flowing of milk and honey that is full of abundance. And we looked at this when we studied the book of Joshua. They went into the land, and Moses said to them, the danger is you're going to settle in the land, which was what God wants for you, but you're going to be so overcome with the good things God has for you there, the homes, you're finally going to have a home, you're going to be able to have your own land, and you're going to be able to provide for yourself, is that you're going to forget God. You're going to forget. You're going to be so enamored with comfort and life, you're going to forget the Lord your God who brought you there and gave you everything in the first place. You can forget the miracles of deliverance coming through the Red Sea, the plagues, the provision in the wilderness, the presence of God on Mount Sinai when the law came down. You're going to get all of that because you're going to be comfortable in your own place with your own home and your own finances and everything's going to be okay. Doesn't that sound like the 21st century Western world? We live in opulence by comparison to centuries gone by. And the danger is we forget who's provided it all, who brought us here. What we actually really need in life is him and him alone. There's so much in our life that we don't actually need that we can consume on ourselves. So we, when we fast, we humble ourselves before Jesus and say, actually, all of this is yours, God, and we rely on you for everything because you created everything, you sustain everything, and we want to recognize that. When we fast, we express our love and worship to Jesus. I've mentioned Anna. Luke 2, verse 37 said there was a, a widow who lived at the temple until she was 84, and she did not depart the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer day and night. When we fast, when we say no to food, something so wonderful and so good that God has given us, we say, God, you are better. You are worth more. And as we put our eyes on him in adoration and we call out our praises to God and say, God, we love you, we worship you, we are recognizing that he is so much greater and better than the gifts he's given us, no matter how good they are. And that can cry for everything. Food's just one, but there are so many other gifts that we enjoy from God. And actually, says, God, you are better than those. You are better. We fast and pray uh, for ministry work for Jesus. Ministry work for Jesus. Jesus himself, before he went out and did the ministry that we know so much about in our Gospels, what happened immediately prior to that? Jesus went into the wilderness, Matthew chapter 4, and he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Don't worry, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just, that's what he did in that particular moment in preparation to proclaim the kingdom to a lost and dying world. 
he fasted and prayed. If we go through into Acts 13, we find the church there praying and fasting. And they did that and they laid their hands on uh, Paul and Barnabas and sent them off on a ministry journey. So there was a big thing going out and they were going to go traveling and preaching the gospel. And we've got to kind of cast our mind back 2,000 years. What it was like traveling then was an incredibly dangerous uncertain affair, crossing seas, crossing land, lots of lawless places. Um, were they ever going to come back? Were we ever going to see them again? But they, before that, in preparation, they fasted and they prayed before sending them out. Later, in Acts chapter 14, we find for the appointment of elders in a local church, the shepherds of the flock, the fathers of that, that church, that family, what happened before they were appointed? There was fasting. It was fasting and prayer as a preparation for that great moment. When we appointed our first elders here at Real Life Church, I asked you all to fast and to pray as a recognition that it was a significant moment for us as a people, as a church, as a family moving forward that we need to kind of take a moment and stop. And so we fasted together as a church. Next thing. Fasting can help with the strengthening of prayer for Jesus' glory. We don't do it to earn God's favor, but there is a focus that comes when we say we are going to give up this for the sake of that that catches the heart and the ear of God. We find in Joel chapter 2, it says this, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, and rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. It says we're serious. It says we're serious. If you're willing to forego something as fundamental as food and give yourself to praying, it says to God, I'm serious about this. I'm not playing around. I'm, I, I want to give my heart, give my mind to something that is important, that's beyond the temporary, beyond on the here and now. There is a, a greater spiritual purpose to this and so we fast to strengthen prayer and give our focus on attention to God we also find that fasting is linked closely with Jesus love for the poor and those who are oppressed it says in Isaiah 58 it says is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the straps of the yoke to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. A praying and a fasting to see God's breakthrough in those who need it, those who are poor, oppressed, naked, broken, hungry. We fast for that because we know Jesus loves those with a particular love who are far from him. We also pray for Jesus' guidance in our life, facing decisions. We find in Judges chapter 20, it says, And all the people of Israel, the whole army, went up and came to Bethel and wept. They sat before the Lord and fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the people of Israel inquired of the Lord. They were at crossroads, they didn't know what to do next, so they fasted and they prayed and they worshipped and they sought the Lord and said, God, what would you have us do in this particular 
given situation. And so we've looked at Christian fasting, kind of the purpose of fasting. Let's now just, as we finish, kind of apply it to our lives. Got two things. First one is a question. When are you going to fast? When are you going to fast? Like giving, like prayer, it should be part of our diet as individual followers of Jesus, as a church. And I hope that you are convinced of this, that actually you feel a godly conviction of actually this is something I need to take seriously. This is something I need to look at. We don't do this to earn God's favor, like to kind of push ourselves up the spiritual rung and make ourselves, you know, a better class of Christian. No, this is merely humble response to God's word in our life. If you would like to find out a little bit more about it, I've only touched the surface of this topic. If you want to kind of go a little deeper, I've got a book recommendation that I find very helpful. This one is called A Hunger for God by John Piper. I read this, I think my copy at home says 2008, so just over 10 years ago. found it really helpful. He takes this subject, kind of expands it, explores it a lot more. So if you want to read a bit more about it, um, uh, you can come and grab this. I've got two copies here, so if you would like them, this is like, you know when they say like you can't really go up the ladder, who's going to come and grab a book on fasting? It's just one of those. Go on, Sarah. Anyone else? There's another copy there. Oh, Julia. Julia, Dad, we will, um, I'll, I'll order you copies. Alessandra, yes, I will. I'll get you a copy if you didn't get it, Julia, and I will get it to you. So, Second thing, fasting at Real Life Church. Let's talk about us here and some practical things to help you, guide you in this. Um, fasting at Real Life Church. How do we do it here? What do we do? How can you get involved if you're like, I don't even know where to start. Well, here's some thoughts for you. What we've done, uh, I've put out as a church, I've, I do this, I know others do this, is that we, I fast on the Tuesday of the prayer meeting. So we pray every other Tuesday. We have life groups one week, life groups next week. The third week, we don't have life groups. We all come together and pray church of prayer in the atrium where the kids are currently meeting. And so I found that helpful as a, as a routine because it means that I can fast throughout the day and then the end of the day, there's something to go to and kind of pray with others who've been doing the same. And so I found that really helpful on those days to be like, okay, on those days, that's what I'm going to do. And it gives me a focus. As the elders, we have meet together on that Tuesday morning to pray. So I start the day, day in prayer with the elders on the Tuesday morning. We meet at half past six at my house. We don't have breakfast. Go to work. Da, 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 da. And the end of the day, it finishes the day with the church at prayer meeting. So I gather together with you and we pray together. So that's how I do it. We put... Um, and we encourage you to join us if you will. If you are going to do that, we suggest the second thing is that you plan what you pray. Plan what you are going to pray. So what we do as a church, we send it out on our email that you'll get, kind of the general email. There's some things. This is some things you can pray through this day. And we're praying together the church. So you can join with us and we're praying for it. We pray particularly this Tuesday, just gone. We've had some prophetic stuff about God opening the gates bringing people in, and so I was praying particularly for that, God, open the gates, bring people in, bring in the lost into this home, into this family, among other things, so we pray for that. You can add stuff to your own, okay, I want to particularly pray about this today, you know, there's something, a situation in my life, in my work, in my family, some of the things that we prayed about just um, at the beginning of the meeting after Stephen shared, those things, just add them to a list, and you've got a list, what I do is I print out the email, just the, the, the list of things. So I have it with me on a bit of paper that I can scroll in if I need to. 
but I've got it with me and I can add some stuff that I want to pray to. So it just comes with me throughout the day. So you plan what you pray about. Third thing, consider your situation, your age, medical condition, uh, what kind of working day you've got, you've got that day. If some of you do very physical, strenuous jobs, actually going without food might not be helpful on that day. Um, but it's something you are, um, uh, need to look about. If you're pregnant, please don't fast. Uh, the NHS advice, if you're over 70, don't do it. Um, but if, you are, have a, if you're um, able, physically able and well, you can do it. But please consider your situation. We've had a question from our 10-year-old um, at home because he's heard about us talking about this around, and then he said, you know, he said to my wife, he said, Mommy, I want to fast. And he's saying, look, oh, what do I do with a 10-year-old? They want you going out food today. I don't think that would be healthy for you. So we've talked to him about things, giving up things, some of the nice things. If you want to fast that day, fine. We'll give you the basics, but there's going to be no snacks and no sweets and no cakes, and then you will feel it, you know, but you will still get nourishment throughout the day. And so we're talking to him about, is that kind of what you want to do to t test your faith? <laughs> With a 10-year-old, what, no chocolate today? No. You know, that kind of thing. So that's it. Please be aware if you are drinking a lot of tea and coffee, tea and coffee drinker, they dehydrate you. If you're trying to fast, not the best idea. Drink lots of water, which will hydrate you. But please consider your situation in that. If you know medically you can't do the fast, well, maybe there's things you can do. Uh, have a lot of reduced diet that gives you a nourishment, but actually give some of the fluff away as a kind of a statement to God, actually, this is what I am going to offer in this situation. Second thing, have a pen and paper. Oh, sorry, not second thing. Fourth thing, have a pen and paper ready. Be ready for God to speak to you. If you've got things you're praying, God might think, good, you're focused. I've got your attention. I need to let you know some things. So God might be speaking to you for your situation, for the church, something you need to share, but have pen and paper ready um, or some thing on your phone or whatever it is so you can then respond and say okay this is what I think God's saying for me when you are fasting throughout the day and you're getting on with life and trying to work and do all the other things and you feel those hunger pangs they will come and they will come with a vengeance especially if you're around food and you know you can't have it your body will say it's right there take it and your body will react and it'll be like feed me feed me now little shop horror say. so Use the hunger pangs. Every time you feel that throughout the day, pause and pray. Use them. Say, God, you are better than food. You are more important than food. I desire you more than food. This situation that I want you to break through. Sorry, that's my time to stop. I was really going for it there too. Whatever it was. Yeah, use the hunger pains. Turn them into prayer. And the final one, pray and worship. Set aside time in your day. Work out whether in. Early morning, if you can get a moment there to stop and pray. If it's lunch, on your lunch hour, whatever you have that moment, just get away. Go for a walk. Do something where I'm just going to set aside a moment, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. I'm going to pray, and I can focus on that in this time because I'm not going to be eating. I've got to worry about eating. It's amazing when you don't eat how much time kind of comes your way because you don't have to worry about sitting down for food. And then in the evening, if it's on... A Tuesday, come join us in prayer. Come and join us in prayer. My heart, my hope, my desire that through this teaching us to pray that we would grow our prayer meeting and there'll be more of us who've taken this kind of caught this up but that if we want God to do what God said he's going to do with us, we need to be men and women of prayer. And fasting is just one of the things that we can use in pursuit of that. So please come and join us as we pray together. I'm going to finish. Can the band come up?
and we're going to worship Jesus. We get a moment now to express the essence behind fasting, even though we haven't been doing it today, and that is it's all about Jesus. So maybe you want to stand up, if you can. Some of you might be too weak if you're fasting. But for those of you who aren't, stand up. We're going to sing our songs, we're going to put our eyes on Jesus, and we're going to basically say, Jesus, you are better than everything. You are more important than everything. You're more important than food, you're more important than home, you're more important than jobs, you're more important than family. As good as all those things are, they're nowhere near as good as the giver. And we're going to say, God, we love you and we praise you. So, Holy Spirit of God, I ask you to come fill us now. Fill us by your Holy Spirit that we may worship you. Spirit of God, come fill us, empower our worship, that we may give ourselves wholly to praise. Fill our songs, fill our minds with your truth, release us into prayer and worship, God. And we pray humbly out of this, that this area of fasting and what it means and linking with prayer, that would become something that's just part of our lives. If you realize today that maybe there's something you haven't looked at, I haven't thought about, or Maybe you just want to say to God, God, teach me on this. Train me on this, that I may learn what it means to be a follower of you who fasts, just like I pray and just like I give. Lord God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your grace and mercy poured out on us. And God's people said,